0: If you have your Bibles, and I trust you do, we're not palm readers, we're Bible readers, amen? I want you to turn to James chapter 1. We're preaching through the book of maturity on uh, walking the walk and not just talking the talk. I'm getting to the key verse this morning, James chapter 1, verse 22. But uh, folks, I want to tell you something. In these last days, we need to be Christians that uh, magnify the Lord, and that we don't just talk the talk. Anybody can talk the talk, but we need to walk the walk, amen? Amen. We need to be mature Christians, and that means we need to be like Christ. We need to magnify His name uh, with our obedience and with our submission and with our faithfulness. Because you know something, last time I checked, God is faithful. That's what I preached on last week, and I'm going to continue last Sunday night's message. And don't y'all get your hopes up. I I preached ten minutes, my wife said, ten minutes, because the young people testified an hour, and I'm glad they did. Some called to preach. Some called to mission field. Uh, had a long, long uh, talk with uh, Brother Blaine, and Miss Holly. They look a little scared this morning. Amen. Praise God. I don't know if I scared them to death or what about the call to preach. And we had a good time. We ate chicken, so I know it was. I know it was uh, ordained. Amen. I, I wanted to make sure you ate chicken, so I know if you was a Baptist preacher or not. But he surrendered the call to preach. Ben. Others. I got some books I want to recommend and want to spend some time with you, training you. On what it means to be a preacher, but I want to tell you something. Every Christian is called to let Christ be seen in your life. Amen. I mean, the strongest testimony we have is your life for the glory of God. It's not to promote the church, it's to promote Christ and to lift him up. And that's a wonderful song, Miss Sarah. I appreciate it. Let's stand on the Word of God. I'll start with verse. Uh, uh, 17 just review last week And I'm preaching every Sunday morning and every Sunday night through the book of James And we'll be finished when we get finished But I like to let the word of God preach, amen I don't have to worry about what I'm preaching I won't, I'm just going right through the books. We just finished um, uh, the book of 1 John And, and uh, we, we're going through the book of Revelation on Wednesday night Enjoying that immensely And I uh, hope you'll come back this Wednesday as we're in Revelation chapter 21 Describing heaven It'll be a blessing. Let's, let's read verse um, 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth, that we should be the fir- kind of first fruits of, of, the, of his creatures. Wherefore, that means note what was before, that's why I read those two verses. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, Amen? Swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And here's a key verse. Verse. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, or a mirror. And he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what matter of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, this book, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man must be ble- shall be blessed in his deeds. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, that man's religion is vain. Pure religion undefiled before God, and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for... This good morning of worship, thank you for the songs, thank you Lord for the choir and orchestra and all that's taken part in worshiping you Lord, it's been good to be in the house of God I feel your presence Lord, I believe revival is still continuing uh, And I just thank you for your people that showed up in their place to receive the engrafted word of God Now Lord, help us not just be hearers, but God help us be doers God, help us not to kid ourselves when we think we're so spiritual. We don't need your word. Lord, help us this morning to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. i had a title for this message, and uh, Brother Cody puts these on internet faithfully, and I appreciate that so much because a lot of people are shut in, and then some people are overseas, like my daughter is in South Africa, uh, except this year she's on furlough, that listen to these messages. Uh, Later on, and so I appreciate that. But the title of the message, Brother Cody, is Quit Kidding Yourself. Quit Kidding Yourself. You know, the emphasis in this passage of Scripture, and I love to study the Word of God in context. Verse 22, it says, Be ye doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Then look at verse 26. It says, if any man among you seem to be religious, and thank God we're not just religious, we have a relationship with a living God that makes us religious. I believe we ought to be religiously faithful, but I want to tell you something. If all you got is religion, that's not enough. You can join every church in Dalton, Georgia, and still not be saved. You can get baptized so many ponds that your feet are webbed and you quack when when you talk, and that don't mean you're saved. Say amen. And I know some people like that. It says, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. Two times in this passage, it says deceive. And then it goes to a further indictment. You deceive yourself. So I like to entitle this message, Don't Kid Yourself. Don't kid yourself. If a Christian sins because Satan deceives him, that is tragic. But I want to tell you something. But if you deceive yourself, that's even more tragic. Some people think they're saved when they're not saved, and I'm not the judge. I'm not the jury. I praise God. It's between you and God. But I want to tell you something, friend. The Bible calls us to be fruit inspectors, and I want to tell you the key is by their fruit you'll know. Them. Many people are deceiving themselves and think they're saved when they're not. Look at Matthew chapter seven and verse twenty-two. Matthew chapter seven verse twenty-two. So turn in the Word of God with me, real quick. It says in verse twenty-two, it says many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, calling him Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Lost preachers, good night. uh, It says, in thy name and in thy name have cast out demons, devils, uh, and in thy name done many wonderful works. A good worker. But look at this, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me ye that work iniquity. It didn't say, I knew you, then you lost it. I don't believe you lose eternal salvation because it's eternal salvation. I don't believe you lose the gift of God, which is eternal salvation. But I want to tell you something. The Bible says, I never knew you. So they were self-deceived. They think they they were saved when they're not. But I'll tell you another tragedy. A lot of people think they're spiritual because they come to church, and they're not. It's a mark of maturity when you face honestly yourself and admit your need to grow. Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says that in the last days, the church of Laodicea would say, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. But the Bible says Jesus returned to them and said, you're wretched and you're blind. Folks, listen, spiritual reality results from proper relationship from the Word of God. I believe the more we hear the Word of God, the more it humbles us, To grow in the Lord and realize we have not arrived. Why do we have church on Sunday night? Because you haven't arrived and neither have I. Why do we have church on Wednesday night? Because we need it just as much on Wednesday night as we do anytime. Why do we push home devotions and personal devotions and reading your Bible daily? Folks, the reason is we have not arrived and we never will arrive and we're dishonest with ourselves if we think we have. It's called Pride. And these verses, James, and I'm going to tell you something about James. He's this blunt 30. He had to be a Baptist preacher, praise God. He just laid it on line. I like that kind of preacher, don't you? I'm not talking about crass, and I'm not about rude, and I'm not talking about embarrassing people. And we don't pull people down the aisle. I think that's ridiculous. Only the Spirit of God can draw people to be saved. Amen? We don't try to force people into decisions that are shallow. Folks, I want to tell you something, friend, but when the Holy Spirit grips your heart, it's called Holy Ghost conviction. And before you get under conviction, you got to realize that you need Him. That you need Jesus. That you need His Word. That you need to grow spiritually. Say amen. And that's what these verses are all about. Jason preached a great message. Our assistant pastor on senior night challenged the young people and gave them all mirrors. But I want to tell you something, friend. If it's just a physical mirror and they don't stay in the spiritual mirror daily, that message has done nothing for them. And folks, if they don't come back to church after that service and faithful, they'll not get what they need to get from the Word of God, say man, It's not just one service and let it, let it rip and then, you, then it's over. It's a daily yielding to God's Word, picking up this book and reading it, memorizing it, and I mean meditating over it and praise God, get something out of it. It's the Word of God. It's not the Word of Cofill. It's not the Word of some man. It's the Word of God. And we try to lift that up as the preeminent part of every service is the preaching and the proclaiming of the Word of God. That's why we lift up Sunday school. It's the teaching of the Word of God. Teachers, if you don't say amen right there, you ought to resign. Amen? You ought to thank God you teach the Word of God. You don't teach some uh, uh, current event or some psychology. You You teach the Word of God. What a privilege it is to teach the Word of God in this church, or any church. But I want you to see something, folks. If we're going to walk honestly with God, we've got to welcome the Word of God the right way. Number one, we need to receive the Word of God. Look at verse 19. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Now, this is hard for me. And slow to speak. How many sometimes talk so much you don't listen? (laughs) Come on, Miss Connie, you ought to say amen right there. Praise God. No. Don't, please, don't that embarrass me to death if you did. She just jumped up and said, Glory to God, amen. You know, I need to listen more. I know I need to listen more, and so do you, and we all need to listen more. Say amen. But sometimes we talkative to people who don't listen too good. It says slow to speak, and it says and, and listen to this. It says uh, it says it, uh, where am I at? Yeah, here it is. Swift to hear and slow to speak, and then slow to wrath. Listen, young people on the second row, you need to listen closely. That's why if you play with those little old fidget things, I'll call you down. It ain't time. Hey, you pull out your cell phone. Praise God, that's not the time to have a text from somebody else. It's not the time to have Facebook acquaintance. Folks, you need to let your face get in His book. Amen! I'm going to start a new movement. His fa- your face in His book. <laughs> I'm not against all that, amen. You know I'm on it all the time, too much probably. But listen, uh, we s- receive the Word of God. Receive the Word of God. That's engrafted Word of God. Look at verse... Uh, uh, please look at uh, uh, this, this powerful word. It says... Uh, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. But then in verse 21, it's a picture of a garden. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of knowledge and receive with meekness. And here it is, the engrafted Word, which is able to save your soul. I'm going to tell you this, friend. The Word of God is so powerful it become a part of you. I remember when I was skipping church on Sunday night when I shouldn't have been backslidden, backslidden, backslidden. I should have been in church. I was going to get my scholarship on my senior year at Georgia State University for soccer. I'd had to go to this game because the coach puts pressure on you to put sports before God, and here I was. I even took my girlfriend, which was Connie, and my cousin, which uh, was a great uh, uh, friend of mine, and uh, with me to watch me play soccer. I was so vain, I thought this party was about me. And I remember on that day, uh, I forgot my shin guards because I was so nervous about skipping church. And I think uh, my mother thought I was in another church. And, um, and, I, and this guy from England missed the ball and, and c- cut my leg in half. The tibia and fibula was at a right angle when I looked down. And it broke my legs totally in half. And then when, it, when the ambulance went over the curb, and by the way, when I hit the ground, I started quoting the 23rd Psalm. And all the hippies I was playing with back then, they said, oh, cofield he's hallucinating. He's saying something. I don't know what it is. I was saying, oh, God, forgive me. The Lord is my shepherd. I said, oh. you, know, you, 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 you get emergencies, you start quoting the Word of God. Say amen, you know. Come on, come on, say amen. How many pray in the emergency room more than you pray in this altar? Amen. And so when the ambulance bu- jumped over the curb, I thought my leg fell in the floor, Brother Howard. I said, oh, God, I started 23rd Psalm again. Oh, I, you know, started praying. I got there and they put the, put, the, put the bone back in place and nine months passed, long leg cast up to my hip. That's a ridiculous thing. Got a coat hanger caught in it one time. It was awful. <laughs> and I, I want to say this, friend. Uh, that thing didn't heal. The tibia didn't heal and the fibia, fibia did or whatever. And they had to take bone off my hip in a surgery right before I was supposed to go to Schenectady, New York and be an executive in General Electric, which I thank God the Lord closed the door because I'd rather preach and grafted the bone from my hip to my leg, and it took. So every time I look at this word engrafted, I think about my bones. And I want to tell you something, folks. If you receive the Word God properly, it'll become part of you. That means you don't just glance at it, in it like a passing mirror, but you look into the Word of God and look into it deeply. And I'll get to that tonight. But you know, you know folks, it's engrafted. It's implanted. It becomes part of you. How many thank God for the Word of God? Say Amen. And I believe the King James Bible is for the English-speaking people. Say amen. And I can tell you about the root to that some t- other time and everything, but I want to tell you something, folks. I have no confidence in a Bible that takes out the last part of the Lord's Prayer where it says, Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Because That's the whole reason you pray. NIV takes it completely out. Completely. Look at it. Matthew chapter 6 sometime, if you've got one of those funny Bibles. But I'm going to say this. I will say this. I believe the Word of God, and I believe it's preserved. I believe it's inerrant. I believe it's inspired. I don't apologize for it. It's God breathe. It's God breathe, and He can breathe into you life, and it'll motivate you, and it'll it'll make you more like Jesus. And that's why we ought to stay in it daily, and folks. A lot of time people come for singings and the worship team, and fireworks and smoke coming from the platform. I'll tell you why you ought to come to the word of, uh, come to the house of God for the Word of God. Because it'll last. Uh, I'm going to tell you this, friend. You have assurance of your salvation because of the Word of God. These things are written in you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. It's not a feeling. It's a, the Word of God tells you that you're saved if you realize you're a sinner and realize Jesus is the Savior and you call upon Him and turn your life over to Him. You're saved. How do I know that? Because the Word of God says it. Amen. That's why we show every person down at this altar the Word of God when they come to get saved. In Matthew chapter 13, my time's slipping by here, uh, we see in verse 1 through 9 and then the interpretation of it, 18 through 23, I don't have time to go there, but Jesus describes the heart uh, uh, in four different ways, four different souls. First of all, he says some people have hard hearts. So they did not understand the word, they did not receive the word, and they bore no fruit. That's hard hearts. They cast the seed, but they don't receive it. It just rolls off your back or your soul. Then there's a shallow heart. That's very emotional, but has no death and bore no fruit. Then there's the crowded heart in this parable, which lacked repentance and, and permitted sin to crowd out the Word of God. But then there's one heart, one out of four, that counts. It's the fruitful heart, which receives the Word, allows it to take roots, and produces the harvest of fruit. Let me just tell you how the final test of salvation is. I want to tell you how I know you're saved, and you can know you're saved. A lot of people come to me and say, I don't know if I'm saved. They'll come to the office and I'll take them back to that time where they trusted the Lord, asked the Lord to come into life. And I want to tell you something, the truth of the matter is, if you don't know you're saved, I don't know if you're saved. But I will to tell you something, the Holy Spirit knows you're saved, but I will to tell you how you know you're saved. One, listen now, act like you're interested anyway. The test of salvation is fruit. By their fruit, you'll know. Say amen. I'm not brilliant, but if I go to Florida, if I ever get out of this North Georgia and get to Florida, um, and I go by an orange tree, if I see an orange on that tree, Brother Travis, I'm pretty convinced that's an orange tree. Amen? I know I'm from South Georgia, but I believe that's how you tell. Say amen. And I want to tell you something, friend. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things come new. If you're saved... There's fruit. And folks, fruit's different. It's not just winning another Christian Lord, but soul winning is a fruit. You ought to reach people for Jesus. But holy living's a fruit, Romans 6.22. The fruit of righteousness. Hey, sharing our material blessings, Romans 15.28, but become generous all of a sudden. Selfish people become generous. That's hard for some of us. Amen. Spiritual character's a fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I mean, there's some difference in your life. There's fruit. Uh, good works, Colossians 1.10. And I want to say this. In Hebrews 13.15, he even compares praise to a fruit. Now, folks, I'm telling you, just because you shout, it don't mean you're spiritual. It's how you walk when you hit the ground. Amen. I mean, you can jump up and hang from the chandelier. Please don't, man. They cost a lot of money but uh, you can hang from these chandeliers on Sunday, but if you don't walk for Jesus on Monday, I'm, test, I'm, I'm saying there's a test there of no fruit. Amen? Oh, folks, listen. Fruit is, is the result of Christ being who He is through you. It's abiding in Him. You're the branch. He's the vine. Say amen. And we produce fruit. We don't, we don't manufacture fruit. He just blesses through our life. He loves through our life. He's joy through our life. He's peace through our life. He's He's uh, He's reaching out to others through our life. It's Him in us, the hope of glory. That's our theme. Colossians 1.27. Let Christ be seen in you, but folks. The Bible says in Hebrews five eleven that we can be dull of hearing. In Matthew Mark chapter four verse twenty four it says, "Take heed what you hear." Now, I'm going to tell you something. You listen to TV long enough, you can hear all kinds of doctrine. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. If it is not scriptural, it is not spiritual. I don't care how many thousands listen to them. If it's not lining up with the Word of God, then it's not spiritual. And then the Bible says in Luke 8, verse 18, we ought to take heed how we hear. That's what I want to get to this morning. Is Folks, listen, if we want the Word of God to change our life, we need to do three things real quick. We need to be swift to hear. Look at verse 19. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. You know, you ought to listen. You know, some I appreciate some of you acting like you're interested because it helps somebody else that's not interested. Say amen. That's why you shouldn't hang the man. That's a little game we used to play when we were as teenagers. Y'all don't do that anymore, do you? Praise God. You don't do that, do you? Y'all got this modern technology. Y'all probably just pull out your phone and, you know, there's some kind of fruit sliding down in outlines, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> I can't play those games, so I don't try. Amen. I'm bad at them. But I'll tell you this, friend. Listen, we ought to act like we love the Word of God. We ought to say amen once in a while. Praise God. I'm not trying to jive up anything or work up anything. We ought to at least nod and come back up. Say amen. That encourages a preacher. But I want to tell you something. The greatest way to compliment my preaching is walk out of this church and live it. You can amen and live like the devil. You can jump a pew and hope you make it. But listen, Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You want to have faith, hear the Word of God, but I'm going to tell you something, that does not mean just audibly. Come on now. Some people say, well, I'll just come to church, hear the preaching, and I'll leave here more spiritual. That's not what that word hearing means in Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. My mother used to have a favorite question to me. I hated the question. When I got in trouble, she'd give me this question. Wayne? Kenneth Wayne? That's my first name. Kenneth Wayne, did you hear me? I'll say, Yes, ma'am, I heard you. She said, Did you really hear me? Micah, you nodding your head. You must you must have met Miss Leslie. Amen. You must have met Mama on this. Did you hear me? Folks, that meant, did you hear me volitionally? Folks, listen, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. That means, friend, listen to me, is that when you hear the Word of God, you heed the Word of God. In other words, you obey the Word of God, and you let it become part of you, say amen. It's not just hearing a message. It's really hearing a message. And so, folks, we ought to be swift to hear. And I mean hear with our innermost being, hear as if it's from a herald or from the king, and it's a message that will change our life. And let me say this based on the authority of the Word of God, it will change your life. Amen? And then we ought to be slow to speak. Oh my, this is getting convicting already. It says, and swift to hear and slow to speak. In other words, we shouldn't argue with God. A lot of people are quick to argue with God. They just want to put up a defense. And a lot of times, it's to their spirituality. I made a fellow so mad one time that skipped church and took his whole family and it just disturbs me. And he said, listen, I can be just as spiritual there as I can in church, he said. And he got real mean. He got real mad. He even got real loud. I said, hey buddy, I'm not trying to fight you. I'm just trying to help you. Say amen. I thought he was going to smack me. Right there in the parking lot of mcdonald's i said good night and he got real defensive said i want you to know we have devotions at that activity where i'm at on sunday i said okay good but i want to say this friend there ain't no place like god ordained preaching in his place called the local church say amen and you 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 know a preacher ought to think that and last time uh i checked i love this place been here 39 and a half years Minds with a fellow one time that wouldn't get out of bed on Sunday morning. He just said, I ain't going to church. They don't like me there anymore. They don't don't shake my hand. Sister Flapjaw, don't speak to me. I'm not going. And she finally threw off, the the lady of the house threw off the sheets and said, you are going. I'm going to give you two reasons why. Number one, you're 42 years of age. And number two, you're the pastor of the church. (laughs) Hey, listen, friends. I'm going to tell you something. You ought to go to church not because you're the pastor of the church. You ought to go to the, uh, a church that believes and preaches and teaches the Word of God. Can somebody say amen? And you ought to listen to it like it is the Word of God. Say amen. You ought to be interested and you ought to show other people that you're interested. And you ought to sit on the second row and lean forward and get your Bible out. Amen. Miguel, have you ever said amen? Amen. Praise God. Good. So I just to get one. Amen. He's called to preach. He better, he better learn. But listen, friend. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. But swift to hear. Now let me close by saying this. Now don't pack up. I close and close and close. I love to close. I just say that so I can remind myself. I can't keep y'all too much longer. Because a Baptist stomach won't stomach it. <laughs> say amen. And your attention span is not as long as it used to be. Thanks to commercials. but Look at verse 21. You love the word of God, say amen. I love preaching it. It says, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive, there's that word, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. You're saved three tenses. save past tense, save from the penalty of sin. save present tense from the power of sin. And praise God, one day you're going to be saved future tense from even the presence of sin. Amen? Aren't you looking forward to heaven? But I'm not trying to get a load up this morning. I'm just saying, folks, you need to be more like heaven. To, and you need to let the earnest of heaven, the Spirit of God, change your life every day. Every day you ought to be more like Jesus. Every day you ought to be growing in the grace of God. And how can you do that with a hit and miss faithfulness to the house of God and the Word of God? Some people hadn't read their Bible since last Sunday morning. I used to do that little game. Dust it off, put it under my arm, come to church, and everybody thought I was spiritual. I wasn't spiritual. I didn't even read the Bible. And then thank God, somebody got a hold of my heart, the Holy Spirit. And I saw a man dying of cancer, F.M. Davis, preaching on Romans 12, 1 and 2 about letting be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To prove out that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And it changed my life that night. My attitude towards the Word of God. And I began to grow. And God began to open doors. But James is comparing the human heart to a garden. And the superfluity of naughtiness is a picture of weeds growing up. You know, if you let your garden go, you let your flower bed go, what grows more than anything? Weeds. I hate them, don't you? He urges us to pull out the weeds, prepare the soil for the implanted Word of God. What a beautiful picture. And the word receive means you welcome, the word as you welcome a family. A member comes to your house, when my, my children come back on furlough from South Africa, we don't just say, well, come visit when you can. We know we only got a few more months and they're gone for four more years. And the only way I'm going to see them is travel 20, 32, a whole lot of hours to get there. And you try to put this hyperactive, I'm not hyper-Calvinist, I'm hyperactive. You try to put me in a plane for 30 hours, it's trouble. But I'll do it to see them. But I want to say this, friend. I treat them as, as honored guests when they come. I treat you when you come to my house. I don't just watch the TV and say, well, make yourself at home. I try to turn the TV off and start cooking up something to eat. Everybody's going to be coming to my house tonight, but anyway. (laughs) We We ought to welcome the Word three ways. Number one, we ought to welcome the Word with repentance. Look at the Word in verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of flesh. Lay apart. You know, a guest is coming to the house. What's the first thing you do, ladies, when you know a guest is coming to your house? Amen. Clean up. Thank you, sister, on the back row. Clean up. <laughs> clean up. Man, I'll tell you, one time I knocked on the door and they said, shove it out in the hall. Get it out of there. <laughs> and I, they were literally pushing everything, toys and kids and dogs and cats, all in the hallway. I wanted to say, hey, could I use your restroom? But I didn't. Amen. <laughs> it's, you panic when somebody comes to your house because you want it clean. That's why we try to make appointments when we come. But I want to tell you something, friend. That's the way you ought to prepare your heart when you hear the Word of God. The Bible says that we ought to lay aside. That means means, uh, repentance. When a cup gets clean, then God will fill it to overflowing. He's not so hard-pressed to use dirty vessels, and He's not so hard-pressed to speak to occupied hearts. Some people come in here to leave. You ought to come in here to get something from God's Word. Say Amen. Man, I want to get something out of this message. I just want to play religion. I want to do, I want to do my Baptist duty for Sunday morning. Come on, say amen. That's right. I want to, cut, I want to have my heart open, my cup turned up. Then number, number two, we need to receive the Word of God with readiness. Repentance but readiness. Look at the word meekness. It's a powerful word. It says, lay aside, that's repentance. With all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, weeding it, weeding the garden. It's a superfluity of naughtiness. That means things that's just not important. And receive with what's the next word class? Meekness, the engrafted word of God. Now, what in the world is meekness? Meekness is a compliant spirit. Listen to me, children. Meekness is ready to obey. Amen. The reason that some don't get anything from the the Bible is they don't have a meek spirit. Meekness is not weakness. Moses was called the meekest man on earth. And I want to tell you something, Moses was a general. He was a commander, and he liberated over millions of people at one time. He was a pretty tough guy. Say amen. But I want to say this, friend. Meekness is not thinking down on yourself. It's just not thinking of yourself meekness means teachability meekness means trainability meekness means controllability I told Brother Blaine I won't say everything we said but I said if you're going to be a good leader you've got to be a good follower and you need to learn to reach before you preach you need to be soul winning and you need to be teaching and you need to be sweeping the room God's swept you in you don't have to Uh, 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 Resign the fire department And go off to Crown College Because you called to preach last week But you need to be a faithful member And you need to be teachable And trainable And I believe he is And Miss Holly's getting very serious about this And I appreciate her Attitude Towards being a preacher's wife Folks Meekness is like a horse broken Pardon the expression You're just Power in control. There's power in control. So many people listen to the Word of God like they go to my favorite restaurant, buffet restaurants, amen, before I got on this diet. Now I try to stay away from those things. Oh, my word. Because I'm going to tell you something. I am so frugal, my wife says cheap, that if I'm going to go to a buffet, I'm getting my money's worth. Say amen. And I'm going back, and I'm going back, and I'm going back, and I'm going back. And then they're going to have to haul me out of the restaurant saying, glory to God, we lost money on that boy. Say amen. That's the way a lot of Christians are. They're buffet Christians. They go down the line taking what they want, taking what they want, and then they're wasteful Christians. They just take a little sample, eat it, and leave it on the table. Leave it on the plate. Not the table. You're Not that sloppy. Leave it on the plate. Come on, say amen. You know, what you, you know what you do at buffets. Well, I'm going to say something, friend. This ain't a buffet. This is the whole balanced diet of the Word of God, and you can't take it and leave it and take, make choices. You just need to take the whole and receive the whole Word of God with meekness and, folks, brokenness and readiness, not repentance and stubbornness, but not rebellion, but receive it with readiness. Lord, speak to me, and I'll be it. Speak to me, and I'll do it. Then third of all, we ought to receive the Word of God with responsiveness. This goes right along with with readiness. You ought to be ready, but you ought to respond. Some people get ready, but they never do anything. Look at verse 22. Be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. How horrible it is for a person to be deceived by Satan. He is a deceiver. He'll lure you. I think wisdom is seeing the end of sin. Read Proverbs 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. And every time at the end of the chapter, it tells you the horrible end of sin. And if you knew where the bus was going, you'd never get on it. Proverbs 4, 29 says, Ponder the path of your feet. Then it goes into Proverbs 5 about adultery. And about uh, Proverbs 23 about liquor and mixed drinks. And it says the end of it. They wake up at last, not knowing where they're at, bruised, Say, I'll never go back again. Shows the picture of awful addiction. Folks, I want to tell you something. If the addict and the drunk, like my daddy was, could see the end and the hurt of sin, they'd never take the first drink. Say amen. Never take the first drink. That's wisdom. Wisdom is seeing the end of sin. Seeing the world through God's eyes. Fearing God. knowing, And wisdom is knowing this Bible and respecting it. I appreciate the way you all listening. But how horrible it is, not just to be deceived by Satan, but deceive yourself. The Bible calls it foolish. Jesus called it foolish. Look at Matthew seven twenty six. Matthew seven twenty six. I'll try to wrap this up. You know what's good about a series? I'll just take it up tonight. Amen. We'll just continue on. Amen. I'll keep here to midnight. Look at this. Matthew seven twenty six. Please, you with me? I'm getting something out of this. Say amen. Say amen if you are or not. It's just encouraging me. Praise the Lord. But look at this, verse 26. It says this And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which buildeth his house upon the sand. Y'all know the little story that the, the, the little kids sing about the wise man build his house upon the rock. The wise man build his house upon the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. And it came to pass, Jesus had ended the sayings. They were astonished at his doctrine. Why? Verse 29, for he taught them as one having authority and not as scribes. Folks, verse 26, he just called them fools. He says it's foolish to hear the word of God and do it not. He says, everyone that heareth the sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man. Folks, this is the word of God that will bless you and keep you and direct you. And folks, we ought to follow it. We ought to obey it. That's why it's so important, Bailey, to be baptized. The first act of obedience is baptism. You'll never be 100% in God's will until you're baptized. You can be 99.99% in the will of God. If you're not baptized, you're out of the will of God And that is a terrible place to be in. The first step of obedience is baptism. Because the Bible says be saved and then be baptized. It's a public profession. It does not wash your sins away. It has nothing to do with washing your sins away. It tells the world my sins have been washed away and it helps people get saved. To hear the Word of God like a little hobby, that's terrible. To hear the Word of God is a religious duty. That's awful. To become a hearer of the Word of God and not a doer is the danger of becoming self-deceived. And when you're self-deceived, you get prideful, you get self-righteous, and sometimes you even get defensive like the old boy that I tried to say, you ought to be in church faithful. If you want to really compliment my ministry, then live the Word of God after I preach it. And then he closes with this. He has a great illustration in verse 23 he says "For if you be a hearer of the word and not a doer he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in the glass for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what matter a man he was (laughs) but he says this in verse 25 but whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work. didn't say the doer of the word the doer of the work this man shall be blessed in his deeds. There's a blessing in hearing the Word of God with responsiveness, repentance, and readiness to do what it says do and be what it says be. This um, illustration is so real, especially to ladies that spend hours getting ready to go anywhere. And I listen, I appreciate that. Amen. I appreciate ladies that want to look proper when they go out. Now, Folks, I believe it's hard to wear makeup. Amen. As long as you don't put so much paint on the barn, you can't identify the object. Amen. That didn't come out right. But anyway, God help us to prepare ourselves when we look in a mirror. And this is a beautiful picture. It says, behold it. And that word beholdeth means glance like you're just going by. And it says with your natural face. You know what that is? That's your physical part, the natural part of you. You ever been at a funeral and people go by the casket and say, Boy, don't he look natural? I always look at him and say, No, they look dead. (laughs) No pun intended. And folks, what they meant was he looks like himself. All right, when you look in the mirror of the Word of God, you ought to see yourself spiritually. You ought to see your soul. You ought to see your being, not your outward crust. Anybody can fake it. And folks, it's like waking up one morning and your hair's in a mess. Oh, I wish that would happen to me. I wish I had enough to be in a mess. Mine wake, I wake up and mine's in perfect shape. Amen. Hadn't moved a bit. There ain't much up there to move. And then you got bags under your eyes. How many ever woke up like that? Say so Amen. And then your mustache has got the midnight snack in it. You look in the mirror. You look at yourself. You know you need to change. You know you need to take a shower. You know you need to comb your hair. You know you need to wash your face. But then you soon forget, and you go into work looking like something the dogs drug in. You wouldn't probably work there very long. and You wouldn't be a good testimony. Folks, that's exactly what people do when they look into the perfect law of liberty. They just look, and then they forget, and they don't let it change their life. Because look at verse 24. It's a different word. It says, For he beholdeth himself, goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what matter. That word beholdeth means a casual glance. But then in verse 25 it says, But whosoever looketh, that word means a careful gaze. It's the same word Mentioned in John chapter 20, verse 5, where it says that uh, John looked into the tomb. He looked in. He didn't just gaze, he inspected it. He he looked through the darkness and searched for the body of Christ. And that's the way we ought to look into the Word of God. We ought to let it look us over. And we ought to have the Word of God as a mirror. Remember those mirrors, young people? It's not a mirror of our natural face. It's a mirror of our spiritual face. And we ought to let God speak to our hearts. We ought to let God examine our hearts, and then we ought to apply the Word of God. It's application. Say amen. It's like 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. I'll preach on this tonight. Folks, the Bible says, when you look into the perfect law of liberty, 2 Corinthians 3, 18, you're changed. And the word change means this. It's where we get the word metamorphi in the Greek. It means metamorphosis. It's like change from a grub worm. If ever put that uh, uh, bulletin board back there in the gym, that was beautiful. It's so Leslie, thank you. It said you change from a grub worm into a beautiful butterfly. That's metamorphosis. And the Bible says when you look into the perfect law of liberty, you're changed because God Let you see yourself as He sees you. Not what everybody thinks about you, but what God knows about you. And praise God, the Bible says you're changed from glory to glory. What's that saying? When you let the mirror of the Word of God reflect in your life, you see Christ. And then you see yourself. And you see that you've fallen short. And you repent. And you respond. And you get right with God. And you get closer to God. And you read your Bible every day. And meditate and pray over it. And God makes you more like Jesus. And I think that's the ultimate goal of the Christian life. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the Word of God. We thank you, dear God, that that day that I was 11 and a half years old, that I got under conviction that I was a sinner, that I was going to hell, and I didn't want to go there, and that I was lost, and I didn't want to remain lost. And you brought me under a Holy Ghost conviction, and I got saved as a little boy. Never thought I'd grow up and reach my daddy for the Lord, as he was 63 years old an alcoholic most of his life since World War II. God, I thank you that I had the privilege of hearing a preacher preach the Word of God and that I repented, that I received it with meekness and the Word of God convicted me that I needed to be saved. Lord, I'm glad I'm not self-deceived into thinking that religion's enough or baptism's enough or any work's enough it's all because of Calvary and the Lamb of God that took my place and paid my sin debt that was impossible for me to pay. Lord, thank You for saving me. And I pray for these that are not saved in this auditorium this morning, the sanctuary. God, help them to receive from the Word of God that they need You and that You paid the price and You shed Your blood that they could go to heaven instead of hell. Lord, for we Christians, God help us not to kid ourselves that we have arrived. God help us to be honest every time we hear the Word of God and get something that will change our life. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for the mirror. Thank you for the perfect law of liberty. By the Spirit and the Word of God, we're set free be in your will and to glorify your name.